Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Dream Shakes the Dream Take podcast. My name is Michael the Hebrew Hammer Brown, and this evening we will be joined by Raymond Lucas Jr. will be my co-host here for this show, Mr. Jeremy Brenner, one of the hardest working men in the business has tonight off. Ladies and gentlemen, this will be our last show before the Houston Rockets get going with, uh, tri- or excuse me, on um, Monday down in Galveston. Um, so we are going to give people a few minutes uh, to make it here in the room, and we will take it from there. We have got a ton to talk about on the show tonight. Uh, We have everything from Ben Simmons to what the Rockets' outlook early in training camp will look like, and I'm really excited. So once we get Ray in here, we will make sure to chop it up like we only know how to here at the Dream Shakes, the Dream Take podcast. Um, Let's get to a couple news and notes uh, before Ray jumps in here. Um, The Rockets... Uh, Like we talked about, we'll be spending time in training camp in both Houston and Galveston this year, which is new uh, for uh, the Rockets. Look like Lucas has just joined the room. Lucas, good fan of the show. We appreciate you as always, my man. Um, Now, a couple things early uh, going on before we hit training camp. Um, There has been news and notes uh, from the Rockets media, specifically Kelly Iko, um, that Sources tell him that there has been a lot of intra-roster scrimmages going on uh, for the Rockets over the past few weeks. And his sources have said that the Jalen Green, Daniel House, uh, Alperen Sengun, uh, and Anthony Lamb team has been dominating uh, those scrimmages early. Always great to hear 
um, that the Rockets, number one, are getting together before training camp starts uh, next week. Uh, they're getting together. They're playing hard. Uh, it's important. It's important for a very young uh, team to get together, not only as often as possible, but when they do get together to make it a constructive time uh, for the roster. It looks like with the scrimmages taking place, the Rockets are getting good run in before training camp starts. And I know there, there's a ton of people out there that want to talk about over under wins for this team, every other team across the league. To be honest, no one knows. Okay. If you go out in on Twitter and Facebook and wherever talking about, well, this team's going to win uh, or my team is going to win X number of games. No one knows. I don't know. Each fan base doesn't know. They don't know until they show up to training camp, see what the team has. Obviously the top echelon teams in the league, your Lakers, your Clippers, uh, your Nets, those teams are going to be really, really good, okay? Uh, we all know that. However, it's the lower-seeded teams in each conference that are going to benefit the most from training camp, right? I am bullish on the fact that definitively the Rockets, there's not the, the bottom part of the conference, you look at the Sacramento Kings, they're not definitively better than the Houston Rockets. Okay, you look at, I think the Memphis Grizzlies are really good. Do I think that they are definitively, oh my God, better than the Rockets? No, I don't. I don't think the San Antonio Spurs are better than the Rockets. Um, I don't think the Minnesota Timberwolves, we saw it today, they fired their uh, director of basketball operations, Gerson Rosas, six days before they open up camp. I mean, who fires their director of basketball operations or president of basketball operations, I should say, that close to uh, the start of the season. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, so that's a dumpster fire of an organization right now. Um, so you look at the opening of training camp, you talk about things that uh, are exciting for this Rockets franchise, right? You start at the very top. You look at a guy like a Jalen Green, second overall pick in the draft, killed it at Summer League uh, in a little less than two games. I'm not a fan of saying that a guy kills it at the summer league because quite honestly, it really doesn't matter what he does in the summer league. Uh, the, 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 the competition that he's going to see in a regular NBA game versus a summer league game is not even close. Okay. So I look to a guy like Jalen green. who has got all the swagger in the world. He's a five tool NBA prospect. What can Jalen green do to lead this franchise to the promised land because that starts Monday. It starts in the media availability. What does he sound like when he's got a hundred microphones in his face? Um, does he say the right thing? Does he, does he look the, does he play the part? I should say, because I think he looks the part six foot five, uh, 200 ish pounds can get to the, the rack whenever he wants. He looks like Jason Tatum. Okay. From the Boston Celtics. But to, on Monday, his route, his path to becoming a franchise player starts. So my guys to watch starts with Jalen Green. Um, you then move to guys like uh, Daniel Tice, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. What does Eric Gordon look like? Uh, John Wall, if he shows up to training camp, what is that media availability going to look like for um for john wall because he's already said he's not going to be playing any games and it looks like my co-host ray just got into the room and i want to get his take uh here at uh the dream take on what he thinks the outlook is for a guy like john wall we haven't talked about ben simmons yet um but that's going to be a hot topic but with media availability starting monday training camp starting next week it's an exciting time for for rockets fans um, it, it's, a, it's a point in their franchise where they have chosen to go down a different route. Are they going to contend for a championship next year? No. Are they going to lose a lot of games? Yeah, probably. But this team is built to make a playoff run next season, uh, which is awesome, you know, because no one watches sports to watch their team fail. There are going to be fans out there that are going to say, well, you know, it only makes sense 
you know, for my team to lose X number of games to get a higher draft pick. But you don't watch sports to watch or want your team to lose. That's where the Rockets fan base got caught up last year so often was trying to lose games. Uh, And as we conclude that point, we welcome the legend himself, Ray Lucas Jr. My man, what's going down? Not much. It's good to be back on. I've been away for a little bit, but now I'm back and I'm ready for basketball. I guess my timing is super good because, like you said, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's coming up and it's super exciting. It is exciting, man. And Jeremy and I got into this a little bit last week when this Ben Simmons, I've never seen maybe James Harden just as, as Rockets fans, a fan base gets so riled up about a guy that's not even on our team, right? Like Rockets Twitter is legitimately melting down right now over the idea of adding a Ben Simmons. I like the idea. Like I've, I've grown more attached to wanting to add Ben Simmons at the right price, obviously. What are your thoughts about adding a Ben Simmons to this roster? Yeah, so for starters, I think that anyone that doesn't want to add him is crazy. Like, I've been seeing so many conversations on Twitter, and I'm just like, how are you guys opposed to having Ben Simmons? Like, I get um, back last year when James Harden was being traded. They was like, well, we don't really want to swap, um, or we don't really want to bring in Simmons if we're getting rid of James Harden. And, I mean, I still felt like Ben Simmons would have been a part of the best possible package that they could have got because, I mean, we heard – Tyler Hero in Miami, he's not as good as Ben Simmons. Um, the package they got back for the Brooklyn trade, they don't have a player there that's as good as Ben Simmons. So and that's all. That's over with. That's past. But now his name is coming up again. And I don't even know how realistic it is that this trade would happen. But, I mean, geez, like you can't – in the past, it's like, okay, People have differing opinions. If you don't want him on the team, then fine, because you are getting rid of a guy like James Harden. But now you're getting rid of John Wall, who's not going to play with the opportunity to bring in Ben Simmons. And to me, it's like, what else? Who would you rather have with the market that John Wall is going to bring in? I can't see anybody that they could realistically get. Exactly, right? And what Jeremy and I talked about, and we, as we are known to do, we, we get heated a little bit. It's all it's on the 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 passion of sport, if you will, you know, he's against the idea of bringing in a guy like a Ben Simmons because he's afraid of locking up that amount of salary in a guy when the Rockets aren't going to be very good. I disagree with that notion in a couple different ways. The first being you and I haven't talked about this yet. The Rockets are going to be better than 25 wins next year. I think the over under in, in Vegas is 25 and a half. The Rockets will destroy that line if they're healthy next year, is my point. You add a Ben Simmons to this roster, mm-hmm. yeah, watch out. That's all I'm going to say. Like, that's a 40 to 45 win team, I think. If you give up John Wall, let me ask you this. Let's start here, right? It's going to cost you John Wall, obviously. If you have to throw in one of Brooklyn's first-round picks and a Daniel House to bring back a Matias Thibel, and Ben Simmons, do you do that deal? Yeah, right. I do it so fast. <laughs> that the defense that you bring right. into your locker room instantly crazy. And I think what people are forgetting is like, even if you're not super on board with having Ben Simmons on the team, let's he's going to be on a team that's not really going to contend. So let's say he comes to Houston and then balls out, and then maybe Houston's like, all right, let's move him now because his trade value is going to be way higher if he has a great season. Like if you look at. Um, Kelly Olenek, his market went up. It skyrocketed compared to what if, what it would have been before he got to Houston. So it's just, there's so many things that could happen. And then, I mean, Ben Simmons could just come to Houston and be great. And it just looks like a steal, just like the Kevin Porter uh, trade looked like a steal. And I think it's just, we're being too close-minded as, I mean, me and you are on the same page, but just as like a whole, it's, everything doesn't have to be how it initially seems. Benson could eventually become a great package or I mean, you know, I mean, are you a fan of it? Are you a fan of the idea that you don't like locking up salary in a guy when there's the perspective, there's a, you know, a free agency class, right. That features some great players two years from now. 
I don't care about two years from now. I don't care because there's no guarantee. We've seen that how many times, right? You know, whether it was when Chandler Parsons was a free agent and he left, um, when it was Kelly Olenek. We don't know how hard they tried to get Kelly Olenek, but for the salary that Detroit gave him, I would have considered giving Kelly Olenek that. I don't think the Rockets would have shied away from that, but when you when you're negotiating with a guy one-on-one, it's beyond different than one-on-20. When there's 20 teams chasing a guy, I don't like those odds. I like the idea of bringing in a Ben Simmons, having him on your roster, letting him – he's only 25. And the only knock against a guy like Ben Simmons is that he can't shoot. That is legitimately it. I mean, am I, am I missing something that that's what everybody's so pissed off yeah, about? I, the fact that his coach in Philadelphia literally threw him under the bus, him and Embiid did. And now there's a story today that they want to make up with them. They want to do this. They want to do that. Like, it's a mess in Philadelphia right now. And I don't blame Ben Simmons for wanting to be out. Yeah, I don't either. I would have immediately after... They asked Doc Rivers if, whatever the question was, if Ben Simmons was a championship caliber point guard or whatever they said, and he was like, I can't really answer that. That would have been my sign to pack my bags. But I think, um, so going back, you asked if I, like, cared about locking up guys and sure. necessarily because um, that's not something that overly concerns me because if you look at some of the recent free agent classes, two years before that class came up, everybody was highlighting all of these guys who were going to be who might go to LA and New York and all the, and then all these guys end up re-signing and they end up, um, they might opt out of their player option, but then they'll re-sign and stay with their team. And so I think we get overly excited about who could possibly be a free agent because Giannis was supposed to be a free agent. Then he won a championship. That's a good point. Then he stayed. <laughs> he won a championship in Milwaukee, which basically tells us that he's never, I mean, maybe down the road, but at least in the near future, he's not going to be a free agent anytime soon. And that's just a trend that's continued over the years. We get super excited, and then the free agency class ends up being two or three guys, and they might leave. And I don't think Houston's necessarily in a position where they'd even be a big appeal to free agents at this point. Maybe when Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green and all those guys age a little bit, then they'd be more of an attractive destination. But you also, I mean, yeah, you also talk about a team that how much salary did they just give up? I mean, James Harden was making $40 million plus and Ben Simmons is making 30. So if you want to talk about salary and you're worried about dumping money into a guy, you were just doing that for a team that wasn't even good enough to make it to the NBA finals. So you were just doing that. And now you've got, do you, do you at all feel like, I feel like the Rockets are going youth, but they're not a hundred percent going in on youth. Like it's a weird yet intriguing combination of vets and young guys. Like you have all the young guys that they just drafted combined with DJ Augustine. Uh, John Wall's not going to be a part of the team. I want to get your take on John Wall in a minute. Um, But you have Eric Gordon, you have Daniel Tice, you have Christian Wood, who I would still consider to be a vet amongst this group. That doesn't sound like a team that is going into the tank mode next season. Yeah, that's like you look at them and then you look at a team that is doing that like OKC and you could notice the differences like instantly. There's one team that's basically just trying to rebuild for the future, stack up the draft picks, maybe develop some young talent along the way. And then there's Houston who's like, we're going to get this young talent just because we were bad, but we're also going to keep trying to put guys around and um, compete because if they weren't interested in winning and competing, then they would have traded Christian Wood and got some draft picks in return and all that would have happened. So I think that says a lot about the state that the franchise is in and the mindset they have. And then going back to Ben Simmons, it's like you said, all he, the only issue is that he doesn't shoot the ball. Like it's not like he has a bunch of flaws and he's just this player who you see him and he doesn't pass the ball. Well, he doesn't defend, he doesn't rebound, doesn't shoot. Like it's not like a pile of things. Like I'd say, all right, Mike, so let's say I'm going to go with some, random example but it's gonna be okay <laughs> so okay that you was having a barbecue right and yes um you're just organizing the event you're looking at who would be great additions now you come across me i'm someone 
I'm not that great of a cooker. I'm not going to lie. And it's not really that I'm not good at it. Like I burn down the house every time I make food. Sorry, my dog's shaking in the background. But it's not like I burn down food every time I cook. It's just the desire is not there. <laughs> it's like Ben, the desire for him is not there. But if I'm coming and I'm bringing drinks and plates and I'm great on the aux cord, then I'm going to assume that you'd still give me the invite, right? You just would like, Oh, for sure. You just be mindful that if I'm expected to cook, things are going to go bad really fast. So I think with Ben Simmons, if you're coming in and expecting him to be your leading scorer, then that's going to be the issue. But he's still bringing you every other thing. It's just he doesn't shoot the ball. I think so many people want to compare him to Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you a guy when because I, I was growing up watching this dude play. He's not Draymond Green. You know who he is? He's a more athletic version of Lamar Odom is what he is. It's exactly what he is. Like, Yeah, that comparison will work better for you because I, I was a little younger when you right. were playing. But. but he's a guy that developed his shot later in um, later in his career, right? You look at, let me see, how tall was Lamar Odom? I'm pretty sure he was 6'9". Uh, he's 6'10". And I believe Ben Simmons is also 6'10", if I'm not mistaken. He's 6'11". Okay, so Lamar Odom is 6'10". Ben Simmons is 6'11". Um, Lamar Odom, what, who's Lamar Odom's? I'm looking at his, um, I want to look at his all-time stats because he wasn't the greatest shooter, but he could hit, he could hit a jumper when he needed to, but he averaged 13.3 points per game, eight and a half rebounds and four assists per game. Okay. From the three point line, he never shot better than 37% from three, Right. You look at, I'm trying to find Ben Simmons. Let me find Ben Simmons' NBA reference because I want to take a look at his numbers because I'm pretty sure. Okay, so Ben Simmons for his career, 15.9 points, 8.1 rebounds, and 7.7 assists per game. It's pretty damn good, okay? Now, in a very small, it's a very, it's a smaller, um, smaller sample size, right? But the last two years, I mean, last year he shot 30% from three. You're going to tell me with a little bit of coaching, you can't get him up to 35% from three. If I told you he shot 35% from three and took three attempts per game, you wouldn't take that along with everything else that this dude brings to the table. Yeah, definitely. I think what we also have to remember when talking about NBA players is that they are exactly players. Like it's not like, goes into the gym and he can't make a three-pointer. Like, if you told him that he has um, 120 seconds to make 10 three-pointers and he could leave the gym, I promise you after 120 seconds he will be leaving the gym because, I mean, he's an NBA player. It's just – it's a thing that becomes confidence. It becomes worrying about missing. I think when I watch him, I feel like he plays more possession by possession, so he's worried that if I'm taking this shot where it's not really a high-percentage shot, then it means that I'm not getting this guy – um, right. Look, and you know it becomes like a mental game over and over again, and then that hurts you in the fourth quarter. And then you check yeah. the box, you check the box score, and you're like, "Oh, I only put up seven shots tonight," because you're so worried about trying to get everyone involved. And what's high? He, but I he screams. Yeah, he screams. Change of scenery is needed. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, at this point in his career, right? He's getting paid. He just probably doesn't like Philadelphia. You know. Having been to Philadelphia, Philadelphia is fine. I mean, they got good cheesesteaks. But the media is a is a bee there, there, man. Like, it's nuts. Like, they're in his face. You're going to tell me he wouldn't mind or prefer coming here, playing with the youth that the Rockets have, running up and down the court, playing for Coach Silas? Because, I mean, between the two, if you're him, I mean, I would rather be here than Philadelphia, and it's not even close. And I don't think as much talent as Philadelphia has, I feel like they're not going to compete for a championship because, I mean, I've picked them to come, not last year, but um, over the course of the last couple of years, I've picked them repeatedly to come out the East, and it feels like something always happens. I'm sure one year they ran into Kawhi and the Raptors, but I still feel like they should have won that series. Um, I mean, they had Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, and a whole lot of other guys. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just tough. That's another thing. They got rid of Jimmy Butler. I feel like that was something that players noticed those moves eventually. And 
you get rid of Jimmy Butler, then you don't win a championship, and then Brooklyn builds a super team, and then L.A. builds a super team, and then all of a sudden your championship window is passed because I believe that their championship window is passed unless they trade Ben Simmons, but then at that point he's not even involved. Do you think now more than ever – I mean, I don't know what your thoughts were. I'm sure we talked about it. I just can't recol- recollect it. This is now a – if you're Daryl Morey, you've now turned two franchises on its head with their superstars. You, anybody, I don't think enough people are talking about Daryl Morey and what his role is in this. And yes, this is a situation that he inherited. He's also not helping the situation, I don't feel like, with Ben Simmons. Like, there, you know, the, the story today, they want to make up with him. They want to, because they probably realize they want way too much. And not a lot of teams are willing to give up, you know, a major piece for him. I mean, if it came down to it, the more I think about it, the more I want Ben Simmons on this team. Like I, and I, I would give, I wouldn't give up. Would you give up Jay Sean Tate for Ben Simmons? Let me start there. Would you include Tate for Simmons in a trade? Yeah, because I mean, I think right now we're like, everyone's so attached to Jay Sean Tate because he's one of those guys that, blossomed with the Rockets but I mean if you ask anybody that's not a Rocket fan if Jay Sean Tate is better than Ben Simmons they're gonna tell you no and I believe they're super close in age so I would only give up Tate if I'm getting Maxi. period end of story I think Tate I don't understand people that are down on Jay Sean Tate like there's there are people saying send him to the bench this and that I'm like the dude just made an all-rookie team you're gonna send the dude like that to the bench because that doesn't make much sense to me I think people get caught up so much in potential. Um, they look at him and they're like, oh, he's not as young as like the typical rookie. And so people get so focused in the long-term plan. It's like right now he's having a good impact on the team. And even though I just said I'd, <laughs> I'd trade him for Ben Simmons, it's not like I think he's bad or anything like that. But I do see a bunch of people that get turned away by those um, rookies that have a bit of age on them and a bit of experience. And it's like, just let these guys play. And if eventually – they don't make these big improvements, then you can do what you want from there. But don't just assume that they're not going to be capable of improving, especially when, like you said, you made an all-rookie team. He was very impactful, even though the Rockets didn't have a great season. He was one of the standout players even early in the season before things took a turn for the worse. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, Twitter, social media, all that, it's a really weird place. <laughs> you see some crazy I, takes. I hate, I hate social media. I'm not going to lie to you. Right. Like I'm a dying breed. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm older than I'm 30 years old. And at this point, like Twitter is just a place that is toxic. And I love it. And I hate it. Right. It's a guy like Ben Simmons to me. Do I think kind of putting a bow on this and I want to get to some other stuff rockets related. Do I think that he's an all NBA type of talent? No, I don't. But, man, would I like to see a starting five of KPJ, uh, Jalen Green, Jay Sean Tate, Ben Simmons, and Christian Wood with a second five of Mm -hmm. Eric Gordon, Daniel Tice, Garuba, uh, David Nawaba, and Daniel House. That's a playoff team. That's a top eight team in the West. The way I see it. And that's why my ultimate opinion on this is you do the Ben Simmons deal, but you have to win the Ben Simmons deal. There was some guy, I think it was out of Philly, not out of Philly. I think there was a report from somebody that said that they talked to a high ranking rocket source. That's commenting on the Ben Simmons deal. Not the Ben Simmons deal. Sorry. The John wall deal. We're going to get to John wall in a minute that the Rockets feel like they have to win the John Wall deal because of the way they handled the James Harden deal. Totally agree with that sentiment. I couldn't have said that any better myself. Yeah, I agree as well. Because, I mean, obviously the James Harden deal got them that this great draft class. But, I mean, it's just hard for me to believe that that's the best possible haul. I mean, we know that's not the best possible haul that they yeah. could have gotten. Um, yeah, they definitely have to win the and there's and everybody is is so big on all of these all these rookies, right? 
And so am I. Mm-hmm. You're never going to sell me, unless the guy's name is LeBron James, you're never going to sell me on draft picks over a quality NBA talent. You, you'll never do it. Uh, don't try it. it. It's just not going to happen. If you want to try Twitter at BSW podcast underscore MB, you're not, you can't sell me on what the Rockets got this year. Was it great? Yeah. But you're also looking, you're staring down those Brooklyn picks. If Kyrie Durant and Harden all get locked down in Brooklyn, those picks become a lot less valuable. Now, you landed a Jalen Green, but you landed a Jalen Green because you tanked to the point of getting a Jalen Green. You got lucky, right? And I don't know about you, but I am still disappointed with the way that the NBA lottery worked out for the Rockets. I'm disappointed. You're the worst. Exactly, right? So you and I are on the same page with that. Because a lot of people would look at that statement and they would say, you're nuts. We got Jalen Green. I'm like, yeah, but you could have had Kate Cunningham. Or, and I think the thing about, um, like you were saying, what's tough about trying to sell someone on rookies is, um, I grew up in Seattle. I grew up watch, watching the Washington Huskies. So when Markel Fultz was there not long ago, I was watching every Washington game, and you could not convince me that Mark Markel Fultz wasn't at least going to be a really great scorer in the NBA, and then. He has some issues with his health. He has some nerve damage, and then um, it just plummets his career. And now he's getting injured, and it's just, you know, this is a guy who was at, like, the top of the world at one point. And that's just the way that the league goes. That's just how things happen sometimes. Like, you look at Greg Oden, the the praise on him was super high, and sometimes things just – it's unfortunate, and it's really sad, but sometimes these guys get injured, and sometimes things just change for them. And so to – try and convince someone to take a chance rather than take what's guaranteed. It's always super tough. And I'm, I'm in the same boat. You want to talk about, we've got a little bit of breaking news here on uh, the dream shakes, the dream take podcast. There is a guy by the name of Sean Wright that has indicated that Carl Anthony towns has privately requested a trade from Minnesota. Your thoughts on this could get interesting if you're a Rockets fan, because I will say this. If Carl Anthony Towns is available, this could I would move a guy like Christian Wood for a guy like Carl Anthony Towns. Let me let me start there. Carl Anthony Towns, it's you give up. There's a place where you draw a line, but that line's not gonna be that strong. <laughs> right. It's a talented dude and he's super young and he just does everything. That's yeah, sweet he, earlier, and I was wondering if it'd lead to that, but not that fast. That was <laughs> same day. Yeah, it's that move, by the way, with Minnesota. I, look, we're, we're not going to get into, a, you know, who are the Rockets better than because the season hasn't even started yet. The people screaming from the rooftops that Minnesota has a better roster than Houston definitively is out of their mind, in my opinion. I don't see it. I don't see it at all. I, I, the, the Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, uh, what Anthony Edwards trio is nice. The rest of that roster is hot garbage. We got a couple of nice rookies, but that's about it. You know, the roster, the Spurs roster definitively better than the Rockets is is asinine. I like Sacramento. I don't love Sacramento. Uh, I think the move with Memphis getting rid of Valanchunas made no sense at all. I think they've got the best player on the court in John Morant. You look at that roster, you look at our roster, you're going to tell me that they're definitively better than the Rockets? I'm not buying it. I'm not buying the Pelicans are better than the Rockets. That puts the Rockets right around an 8 or a 9 seed next season. And it's all about staying healthy. Right. I mean, we've seen them rattle off a winning streak, and they just have to keep that because, I mean, like you said, once you get towards the bottom, I mean, the Grizzlies made the playoffs, so I won't call them towards the bottom. I don't want Grizzly fans to find this, but um, you know, once I'm gonna get, send it, I'm gonna send it to all of them with what you just said. <laughs> I mean, no publicity, bad publicity, I guess. But facts. Once you get towards those teams towards the bottoms, those guys all are gonna beat each other. If you put them all in a seven game series, it's probably gonna go to seven, and it's just gonna be whoever is more hot. I think right Timberwolves could be scary if they knew what they were doing over there. But I mean, geez, <laughs> it's but they but, exactly they they don't. 
you know, and I think the one thing you look at with the Rockets front office right now, who's a better front office guy, Daryl Morey or uh, Raphael Stone? It's Daryl Morey, right? But I think Morey's ceiling is lower than Stone's. Like, look at what Raphael Stone has done in less than a year, right? He has shown more ability to acquire young talent than than Morey ever did. Morey was always able to land the big fish because he was funky. He was different. Like, he was just a different kind of dude. Raphael Stone just seems like a nose-to-the-grindstone type of guy and can find that young talent. Buying a second-round pick and getting Kenyon Martin Jr., uh, finding Jay Sean Tate in Australia and bringing his coach over with him. Um, signing Christian Wood to a pretty decent contract, three years, 42 million. Uh, convincing a guy like Daniel Tice. I think Daniel Tice is one of the better free agent signings of the, of the offseason. Are you, are you with me there? Or what are your thoughts on Tice? I think it depends on what they're going to ask him to do. I'd imagine not much, but it, to me, it was a little surprising that he went to Houston, um, which like you said, it makes it a really good signing because I would have expected him to go to a contender. Obviously he's not going to go and start for a contender. He probably won't start. Maybe, maybe he'll start in Houston, but um, to me, that was a surprise. But like you said, it just shows the job that Raphael Stone is doing. And to me, that's a guy that's really connected and great with networking and really plugged in for him to, because I mean, you got to right. have eyes like for you. It's impossible for you to do this job alone. Like you got to have people who will text you and be like, Hey, like you should look into this just as a favor. So to me, I think that's a guy that's really well-versed and has a lot of connections. And I think it'll take them take right. and the Rockets a long way. And we we're, we're jumping a little bit from topic to topic here, but there's a lot to cover of this Rockets team. I mean, I'm excited. I don't know if you can tell me I'm excited for training camp. Like, I'm excited to see all of these dudes on the court at the same time for the most part. I told Jeremy Brenner last week, I, where do you land with the John Wall situation? What is your opinion on what is going on with John Wall? I want to see where you're at with it before I reiter- reiterate where I'm at with it. So I think um, John Wall probably thought about things, thought about his career, and he probably figured he's about another injury away if that was to happen from not really ever getting back to his – I mean, he's not really in his true form now, but he still showed flashes. So I think for him, he went to Houston and kind of like just to – I mean, he didn't have a choice, but he went to Houston with the mindset that he'd show something – well, no, he went to Houston with the mindset that he'd be paired with James Harden. Um, But then that we know how that happens. My dog is going crazy. I'm going to let her out in a second. (laughs) But um, so I think he's just a guy that he's going to hold on. Give me one second. I'll just no, you're good. It's to continue the conversation about John Wall and his fit with the Rockets. I, I just, I don't understand the people that are, let me know when you're back. Right. Um, okay. I don't get what this dude has done in the league to deserve respect, not respect, respect isn't the right word, but the level of he's demanding things, I think leaves a really bad taste in my mouth. If that makes sense. Like who the hell are you to sit out games? Like, yes, it might be a decision between the Rockets and him, but he's playing a major part in that, you know? Like, my my thing is, is that you're getting paid $40 million to play basketball. You need to play. And if the Rockets don't plan on playing him, paying him to stay away is even a worse look for me. Yeah. Hmm. I think he's an interesting case because I feel like with the Wizards, he was so connected and he was so just loyal and would do anything and everything for that franchise and not to assume how he felt, but I'm sure when he got traded, there probably was a bit of heartbreak in there. And I think if there was anything that made him realize that there was a business side of things, it was that. So, I mean, it's frustrating to have like a guy with a big contract and not play him, but I think it's also 
a bit from how Washington handled that situation because, I mean, Wizard fans were super upset that he got traded. I'm sure he was super upset that he got traded just because he's so tightly knit into that community. So I think um, sometimes guys, their perception towards things and the way they approach things changes because of past experiences. And I think the Washington thing probably opened his eyes a lot because I mean, he could go and get injured and then it'd be right. a waste for him. And let me preface my my comment earlier was about if the the only way that the Rockets can get something for a guy like John Wall or Eric Gordon is you have to play him. You don't have a choice. As much as that pains me to say, and that would take minutes away from guys like Josh Christopher, um, guys like KJ Martin Jr. The only way you get a return for these guys, you have to play them somewhat. You have to show that they can still do something. Like the Eric Gordon thing, him, you know, being open to a trade. Yeah, he's open to a trade. If you were, if he was worth anything in today's NBA circles, he would have been gone by now. Do you agree with that sentiment or do you not? Because that's where I'm at, you know? I think if he had high value, he probably would have been gone last year when they got rid of Harden and then they got rid of P.J. Tucker. I think that would have – he would have been one of those guys that was up next to go. But, I mean, I think it's just tough. He's aging. We haven't seen him on the floor a whole bunch um, over the years. So, yeah, his value is going down. But I think there will still be teams out there that want to go get him, maybe not those top championship contenders, but it's got to be – you know, in Indiana, you know, the Indiana Pacers, he went to IU. I think he was Mr. Indiana uh, in high school basketball. Like, in, the Pacers feel like such a good fit for a guy like Eric Gordon. Yeah, he gets to go back and kind of and maybe end his career. I don't want to say end his career. I don't want to <laughs> put that on him. But um, just it'd be cool for him to go back and kind of merge with a community that he had once done it with just – way far back in the past. Um, I don't know what they'd get back for him, though. But I mean, the dream to me is if they want to give up on Miles Turner, I would take Miles Turner in about five seconds. Um, real quick, did you get a chance to see the Dante Exum contract that the Rockets signed him to? Three years that. worth $16.22 million if he achieves all bonuses. Years two and three are non-guaranteed an interesting contract i like that contract structure i mean he looked really good in the olympics um really liked what i saw from him mm-hmm. what are your very very early thoughts on training camp obviously i talked about before you hopped on the show we want to see Jalen green we want to see you know his path to being the face of the franchise um i made note of you know he's talked the talk right? He looks the part. He goes to the Astros games. He looks poised. He looks excited. It's time to walk the walk. You know, um, you know, I, I talked about him. Do you have a couple guys or a couple storylines that maybe are a little off the cuff, not major headlines, not a John Wall guys you're looking at? What are you excited about uh, starting with media availability on Monday? Um, I want to see how so I guess first how they answer questions about Kevin Porter Jr. moving into that point guard role, because obviously we know that he can facilitate, but we also know that he likes to put up shots, kind of like an old Rocket who's in Brooklyn now. Um, and so I want to see how, like, what their approach is and what the coaching staff approach is to get, those, to get um, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green on the same page. And I know they're friends, so there won't really be chemistry issues there, but just because you're friends doesn't mean that you necessarily merge the best immediately on the court, especially for two guys that's never played on the same team, except for maybe like some pickup games and open runs. Um, So that's one thing that really interests me. I think another thing would be just how they're going to handle minutes because they're not going to be playing John Wall. So like you said, that leaves more room for guys like Josh Josh Christopher. And I want to see how they're going to work those guys in, um, what they're going to do with KJ Martin, because he blossomed, but he also blossomed blossomed in a time where there were injured players. So what is his minutes going to look like? And I think there's a lot of players that Rockets fans got attached to that they're really going to be interested to see how many minutes they're playing. Because sometimes people call it empty stats because a guy will um, play great when 
there's injuries, but I feel like what we've seen from KJ Martin was something that he can do consistently, no matter who's on the floor, no matter if the Rockets are winning or losing. So, yeah, I think rotations is probably the biggest thing because there is a lot of young talent in the room, but there's also guys that are established, and it's it's going to be an interesting thing. Yeah, man, I'm I'm just man, I'm, I'm excited. You know, like I think the difference between can you imagine? I mean, at this point last year, we were talking about James Harden showing up, you know, 65 pounds overweight, it felt like, uh, wanting a trade, wanting to, you know, be out. But this team feels just fresh, young, hungry, talented. I think I think we should put that on T-shirts, if you want my honest opinion. Um, just young, like like a young, hungry, talented t-shirt with like the dream take logo on it i'd be all in for um but that's what it feels like with this team and and there's not a lack of storylines going into this season uh and i think they're gonna i think they're gonna show a lot of people that they they're gonna be solid next year i'm excited and like you said if you look at the difference between last year and this year last year i feel like even though james harden was on the roster it really didn't feel like it'd be a championship year just because he knew James Harden was kind of iffy on the whole situation and then eventually request that trade. But, um, you know, the roster, they had added Christian Wood and they had added John Wall, but it didn't really feel like it'd be enough. Now, maybe it would have been enough (laughs) if you look at how the season they were able to stay healthy. But, I mean, saying if they were able to stay healthy is like saying if any other team that got injured last year was able to stay healthy. kind of a missed opportunity there to be honest with how the postseason went but we'll move on from that point um but yeah you just look at and you look at last year you're thinking okay maybe this is the first round exit maybe they'll get to the second maybe the western conference finals but certainly do not see them in the finals and now this year it's a bit more relaxed and it's a bit more um, excitement for the future because there's not necessarily concern about the playoffs and concern about um What's going to be done to beat the Lakers or get over the Clippers or beat whoever right. comes up least? Now it's just um, how are these guys going to pr- progress? What are we going to see? Um, how much is Kevin Porter Jr. going to look improved? Is he shooting the ball better? How good is Jalen Green over the course of a season? Um, and just all that stuff. So it becomes way more exciting and a lot less stressful. Yeah, and I'm – don't get me wrong. I miss the stress. I, I miss the hell out of the stress. Um, but if you ask me, this team is going to be a lot more fun to cover. I feel like just from a, a development standpoint, looking at who's getting minutes night in and night out. Wow. How does, how is Sangoon uh, coming along? Because after, and we're going to wrap the show up here in a minute, but Watching him dominate in summer league, I feel like got so many fans so excited, me included. But you got to temper that excitement a little bit because the dudes he was going up against, uh, when he went up against Devin Mobley, I mean, he held his own, but Mobley still had a hell of a game. Um, Going up against Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Draymond Green, uh, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, uh, Bam Adebayo, uh, Giannis, just the name of you is going to be a lot different for him. So he's going to hit some, uh, some roadblocks. The dude I'm looking most forward to developing is Usman Garuba. I was high on him the night of the draft. I thought he was a steal of the first round. Um, I think he's going to be so damn good for this team that he's going to be a defensive specialist. And those are my favorite type of guys. He reminds me a lot of, um, What's the dude's name from Oklahoma City? Um, uh, Andre Robertson. You know, like, I think he's bigger. I think he's stronger than Robertson. Like, very similar type of trajectory, I feel like. And if you can get an Andre Robertson or Robertson, I don't know how you pronounce his name. Um, But if I told you, Ray, that you were getting that type of player in the bottom half of the first round, would you take that or no? Yeah, easily, because I think he was uh, Roberson, like you said, Roberson, Roberson. I think it's Roberson. I've played a lot of 2K. I've heard his name. I'm going to guess Roberson, but um, you, he was a big part of OKC during those years that they were really good, and a 
although he's not giving you a bunch of the scoring, I think he could shoot a little more than he showed towards the end of the time in OKC. I don't know what really happened there. But um, that's the question. And he instantly makes everyone on the floor better because he's always giving that defensive effort and he's always hustling. Uh, we've seen it in the Olympics when he was playing against Team USA. Obviously, that's a really tall task, but he still showed flashes and he still showed glimpses, glimpses of defensive excellence. And, I mean, if you're doing that against Team USA, it's going to be a lot easier when you're going against a role player in the stretch of the second quarter or the third quarter, things like that. Right. I also think it the last note I'll have before we wrap the show up, I think the, the vibe in the locker room is going to be so much better this year compared to last year. You know, you had guys like Harden who was, you know, bitching and moaning about one now. You had P.J. Tucker who didn't want to be here. You had a first-year head coach. You had a lot of moving parts last year. And at least for now, if John Wall's not there, you know, you've got the veteran leadership, but you have just young, hungry dudes that just want to play ball. And I think that will do so much for this team. I think it's, uh, it's a match made in heaven, I feel like. I think it's like when you um, bring in a fresh new crew, like maybe let's say you're having some work done somewhere and all the workers you have are complaining and they just don't really feel like doing this. You get a younger crew, a fresh crew, they come in and they're excited to get the job done and excited for um, what might not go well, but eventually things will go well. So that's how I kind of see it is they're coming in with a new group, a group with a new mindset, a new excitement. And a lot of guys who are really, going to just get to experience this whole NBA thing for the first time. And I think that's just super cool. And I think Rockets fans and everyone really is just feeding off of that energy. I'm excited, man. Ray, it's an absolute pleasure, my man. This has been another episode of SB Nation's The Dream Shakes, The Dream Take podcast. We are going to be back on Tuesday, definitely, but we might try and sneak in a show Monday night for the first day of media availability to break down all things Houston Rockets. Make sure to give the mothership of the dream take, the dream shake, a follow on Twitter at dream shake SBN. Make sure to give the dream shake a follow on Facebook as well at the dream shake uh, lots of great content coming from all of our outstanding writers. Ray, you were uh, obviously included in that statement. Um, where can all of Red Nation find you on Twitter, my man? You all can find me at Raymond. You can find me at BSW Podcast underscore MB. Until next time, Rockets fans, go Rockets! <laughs>